This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Welcome to the Marketing Mondays podcast, where we explore how we can make your offerings stand out in the health and wellness space. Through conversations with thought leaders and innovators in health and wellness marketing, we'll discuss marketing best practices, case studies, and innovative ideas to help scale your business and grow revenues with impact. I'm excited to be your host. My name is Andrea Borcha. I'm a fractional CMO and owner of the Dia Creative Marketing Agency. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marketing Mondays on Outcomes Rocket. I'm Excited to be talking today to the VP of Payer and Market Strategy at Simply Fed, Jennifer Forster. Thank you so much for being here. Now, uh, real quick, let's start off with what is Simply Fed? Sure. So thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm so honored and excited to be speaking with you and your audience. So Simply Fed is a telelactation company that provides judgment-free breastfeeding and baby feeding support to parents on their baby feeding journeys, whatever that might look like. Parents connect with Simply Fed's network of clinically trained lactation consultants. They're often uh, international board certified lactation consultants. They come from a a wide background of life and healthcare experience. Many of them are RNs or NPs working in labor and delivery and family health and OB-GYN. So parents connect with them from the comfort and safety of home via our secure telehealth platform. Our mission is to create a, a new model for optimal feeding by building trusted relationships with parents, partnering with healthcare payers and providers, and ultimately shifting policy, practice, and narratives around baby feeding to drive health and economic equity, starting with baby's first foods. That's an incredible journey and, and such a powerful message. I So to me, it sounds like your target customer obviously is the mom, but is it also then birthing centers, hospitals, like, are you, are you trying to get to the professional first and foremost to be introduced to the moms? Or are you going directly to the moms? Yeah, all the things and okay. it's moms <laughs> and it's parents and it's grandparents and it's dads and, and all the people that surround birth givers and people that are raising babies. So yes, intuitively moms with breastfeeding, but there's a whole myriad of people that support and grow yeah. babies in our community. And so starting with parents for sure. And there's a lot of direct to consumer marketing to build our brand awareness. And we all know how powerful the mom machine is. I think that the power of a mom to mom referral is really, really great and important to us but also building those relationships with providers in the healthcare ecosystem because they are trusted. They're the ones that parents go to when they're having feeding difficulties or problems sleeping or anxiety about whether or not their baby's getting enough to eat or if they're thriving and growing. So yeah, pediatricians, OB-GYNs, labor and delivery units at hospitals. We also talk to other providers that are kind of on the outskirts of what you would traditionally think of as baby feeding support. So like pelvic floor therapists and chiropractors that are helping parents postpartum or maybe through pregnancy, dentists that are helping with tongue ties for babies that are having trouble latching. So they're all kind of within our scope as well. That's incredible. Were you, how long has, how, how long has Simply Fed been around? Um, Simply Fed's been around for a few years. I think since 2019 is when our founders started. Oh, wow. So pretty um, recent. 
Yeah, and we've we were doing mostly direct to consumer, and then starting this year, we went live with our, a few payer contracts, including um, with Tricare East and West, which has been really exciting and very forward thinking of the government and Tricare to expand access to these services by allowing board certified lactation consultants and um, lactation counselors to provide services. Wow. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, so did you? It sounds like you had to start DTC to just make sure that you could find product market fit and really understand how to message this. It feels so tricky. Like there's health and wellness anyway, which is its own thing. But now on top of that, there's all these um, social competitions or challenges happening around breastfeeding um, and and what that means. And and I feel like it's it's such a uh, tricky area to message in. How how did you really figure out how to speak? It is. Well, so yes, we started with direct-to-consumer and really found that product market fit. So we found that parents really do need these services and need help starting in pregnancy. That was uh, a big finding and supported by the literature. That was our hypothesis. The sooner you can provide that baby feeding support, the more successful you're going to be on that baby feeding journey and the better you're going to feel about it. So there was that. Also, we found that 60% of the parents that were reaching out to us were Medicaid enrollees, which in some way isn't surprising because it aligns with the number of Medicaid recipients in the United States and the large percentage of births that are financed by Medicaid. But also something that a lot of parents don't know is that this is their right, that breastfeeding support is actually covered under the Affordable Care Act. And so Medicaid expansion states, as well as marketplace plans and commercial plans, need to comply and provide parents with that baby feeding support. And so I think that when we talk about education, a lot of it is educating parents on what they have available to them and their rights to receive those services on top of all the other things that go along with baby feeding, right? You know, all that pressure to breastfeed, the AAP extended the guidelines to two years, which is really overwhelming in a country that doesn't really have parental paid parental leave. It's a whole systemic ecosystem that we're navigating, making baby feeding really complicated and messaging around that even more so. There's a lot of, um, we call them mommy wars and and just mom guilt is so real. I don't know if you're a mom yourself, but I've got three children and I spend a lot of time thinking that I should or shouldn't be doing certain things. And then to feel that pressure from my friends and family and the world about how things quote unquote should be done is really is really hard. And so at Simply Fed, we really try to message around about parents. And our vision is that every parent feels good about how they feed their baby. And so it's not one or the other. It's not breast. It's not bottle. It's not fed. It's that that you feel good about how this is going. So it's um, we support all parents in whatever way they choose to feed their baby, whether that's breastfeeding, bottle feeding, pace feeding, donor milk, exclusively formula feeding, some combination, all of the things we're supportive of. And we really just want to make sure that parents have the information and the support they need to be successful. That's, that's really powerful. And it feels like that messaging alone is a, is a great first step because, Mm -hmm. because of the societal pressure, because of guilt, because of, you know, shoulds and expectations. I, I could see a lot of moms not wanting to talk about it. I'll, yeah. I'll figure it out. It, it should work. And I just, yeah. I, the world's gotten too complicated and there's too much stress out there to think anything's just going to work straight out of the gate anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk a lot about how 
you know, breastfeeding is natural, but it doesn't come naturally to everybody. And that's okay. You just need the support to get to where you want to go and whatever those goals are, we'll center on them and, and we'll get there. So, yeah. So I, I can see, I can see how this, this works really well, especially when talking directly to the moms, mm-hmm. now that you included payers and, and hospitals and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, professionals, how have you had to adapt to that? Is it same messaging working or are they looking more like bottom line, give me the money value? Yeah, <laughs> you you hit it. And that's our challenge is that we've got so many stakeholders, right? And so when you're talking to payers, I come from a Medicaid managed care background. So I understand pretty deeply how Medicaid works and what payers are concerned about. And that's about, well, doing the right thing but also about the bottom line. And so what are the cost savings associated with baby feeding support or breastfeeding support? And there's a myriad of literature out there about how improving breastfeeding and improving support to breastfeeding provides parents with longer breastfeeding duration and intensity, and that breastfeeding itself uh, has many positive effects on both mom and baby. And so there's a lot of ROI that can be shared with a health plan, in addition to that fun fact that it's covered, it's mandated under the ACA. And the majority of health plans actually don't have a network of providers that can serve exclusively around baby feeding support. Of course, OB-GYNs and pediatricians And midwives have a lot of expertise in the area of perinatal health and can help with baby feeding. But the truth is that they don't have the in-depth clinical knowledge exclusively around baby feeding to, or the time when you're in those very quick postpartum appointments or, or a quick well baby check to get into the details. So we talk a lot about on the provider side, optimizing their time and being able to support them in uh, ensuring access to care and providing that continuity of care and sharing those clinical notes back after the post-appointment and being able to enhance and enhance that in-person care with a virtual platform and specific expertise. Yeah, that that it's it's a lot to balance, but I, I it does feel like you got one down, one channel down really well before you started even considering the next ones. Yeah, absolutely. So the D2C stuff, we spent a lot of time getting right, um, improving that product market fit, and then moved on. What I when I came onto the organization in November of last year, focusing on the on the payer and provider partnerships. Interesting. Has there been any big marketing wins for you uh, since starting or like some some big campaign that surprised you one way or another? <laughs> yeah, we had one campaign that far surpassed all the others. And it was something to the effect of it was like a cartoon baby. I think it was a social campaign. And it was like this cartoon baby, like adorable little thing, like crawling. And it said something to the effect of like, breast bottle, they all end up eating Cheetos off the floor anyway, or something like that, right? And I think that really resonated with parents, like, yes, right? Like, who cares? At the end, you're just like, oh, they're fed, they're happy, I have peace, whatever. And so that kind of goes along with, like, another one that we did around, like, like, breast bottle both whatever you choose, basically, was kind of the message behind that. And I think we're at a unique time in our country to be talking about like, choice, and an inclusive care and centering on women who know what they need to do to support themselves and their children and really listening to parents. Um, And I think those messages, 
those messages really resonate. Absolutely. And, and it, it is, it is still such a tricky healthcare system that people don't know what's covered. So yes. they don't even know that this resource is available to them. I, I feel yeah. like that's, that alone is a huge weight off when you can just come and say, we can help you. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But how much is it going to cost me? I, I can't yes. afford it. Or what do you, you know, and you're like, nope, nope, it's, it's included. Yeah. And that's honestly been a tricky, that's been tricky for us, especially when it comes to the Medicaid population, which has been underserved and is very distrustful of the healthcare system. So when we come at it as this is free to you, they are almost suspicious. And that's why it's so important. I think at least in, in, within that population in that market to get that buy-in of trusted partners like providers and community-based organizations and other moms. But just hearing that we we did some outreach for a short while on behalf of a health plan and that failed, 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 oh. failed. Yeah. Wow. Because people don't trust their health plans and especially yeah. Medicaid enrollees. They've just been hurt by the system in the past and by associating, I think, with the payer isn't helpful. The TRICARE population is definitely more savvy and understanding of their benefits. They have some skin in the game and need to usually pay a portion of their coverage, not dissimilar from a commercial member. So they are definitely more aware. They tell us that they heard about us more from like their health plan directory. They know where to go to to find those resources, whereas I think the Medicaid enrollees are less likely to understand what the services are available to them. And then when you tell them, they're distrustful that it's actually covered. Yeah. Have you have you found anything besides just time and effort to to grow that trust with that population or any good partners to work with there? Yeah. And I think it's something that we're still working out. We just spent the last three days as a team together really tackling this very issue. And so if I had a, a silver bullet, I would I would use it. But I think that you're right. It's time and effort and building those relationships and following up with them. We're talking more about community-based organizations. So for the Medicaid population in particular, maybe um, working with like food pantries or diaper banks as a way to kind of quickly get some some brand recognition. But it's tough when you're newer to a market and and you're working with a population that may not be as aware as healthcare literate as as others. Definitely. I I did have a project years ago trying to launch an app to help uh, improve habits to prevent type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And we had to go in, uh, we started partnering with African American churches. Mm -hmm. If you could get the church leaders uh, on yes. board, then it was uh, then it wasn't you know a, a bunch of white scientists coming in and telling you how to eat better. Which, yes, you know exactly. Just, and I get it. <laughs> yep we we've been stopping by churches and barber shops and salons and daycare centers and those community organizations, but it's hard because they're not institutional, right? So it's really yeah. about like having boots on the ground and developing those relationships and the word of mouth. Which is which is a lot more of an expensive uh, marketing experience than it, it, uh, let's it. just put this out there and, and see what happens. Yes. Um, <laughs> so along those lines, is there any particular interesting things that you think marketing is heading towards or things that people should keep in mind when they move towards the future of health and wellness marketing? It's a good question. And I wish that I had some more time to kind of ponder <laughs> that. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that 
it's got to be multimodal. I and I and I think that like we were saying before, it's so important that it's coming from both like on the ground from those mom to mom conversations, as well as from a reputable source like a provider, even the health plan. I think that people just want to know it's legitimate and like a real business that, you know, they're not getting scammed and it's as good as it actually is. And so it's balancing those things and knowing how much time like we were talking about those the feet on the street take takes a lot of energy. So, but really understanding that there's got to be a balance. And we we talk a lot about like seven touch points. You hear it once and it's not going to make a difference twice, three times, four. It really does take those seven touch points and we're doing it all. We've got thank you notes going out to providers, but also to moms that have had that have had appointments. And I should say our NPS is 10. <laughs> I mean wow. It's <laughs> Everybody is happy. And once they once they have those services, it's because they feel heard. They feel heard yeah. and supported. And we spend so much time as parents really wondering if the things that we're doing are enough and right. And most of the time, they're doing just great. And they need a little bit more support or a couple tips to just get that confidence to feel good about what they're doing. And, and that really reflects in our amazing providers and our allies who are like peer support moms that are coordinating care and checking in with parents between appointments and reminding them about appointments and telling them that they're just doing great and to keep it up. And it's a reflection on just what we need as parents, just a little bit of support and love and help and grace. So, I mean, it's, we're, I think we're doing all the right things. It's just a question of kind of doing it at scale and really getting the word out as we're entering these new markets. Yeah, the scale things is, is the hard part, especially because you mm-hmm. do need that that more community support. Are you finding like influencers or user generated content is working? Or is that too like social and out there and not community boots on the ground enough? Yeah, we're doing um, a little bit with influencers. That's actually not the area that I focus on, but I know that there's been some work done around that um, and we'll continue to to do the mom to mom, like the user generated content is very powerful. We've put out some stories from past patients and um, some quotes about how good they felt after they had that appointment and how they felt really supported and wanted to continue breastfeeding after meeting with our providers when they thought they were going to give up. And even if they did want to give up, that'd be okay too. We'd help you with whatever you want to do. But that's been very powerful. And as we continue to develop that, we'll certainly make better use of it. I think like the next phase for us is probably going to be some more video content and storytelling. And so that that will be in, in our next chapter for sure. Nice. With payers and just the way healthcare is evolving in the US, do you see any particular challenges on any sort of company like yours that wants to work with payers or major hospital systems or other markets that are more in the professional space? So many, <laughs> so many <laughs> challenges, which is why I think you don't see many. I, this is why this is part of the problem. This is why you don't find lactation consultants in network with payers because it's too hard to work with them. It's too, especially in the Medicaid space. There's a lot of bureaucracy. If you're going to be a Medicaid provider, you first need to be a Medicaid. Um, you need to be accredited by the Medicaid agency within that state. There's 56 different Medicaid agencies. So let's just start there. Secondly, we're in a space that's um, not well-defined. 
this profession has not been treated with the respect that it should and hasn't been recognized as one that's important to the health and wellness of our children and our parents. So just starting there is just the the specialty needs to be elevated for sure. And as a result, when you try to get a Medicaid number in a state, you can't even find a specialty around breastfeeding and baby feeding support. So you can't even like, let's just start with, you can't find the the down button, the, <laughs> the menu selection for the specialty that you are. So there's like, that's the first barrier. The second is a lot of, even though CMS has made it very clear that baby feeding support and breastfeeding support is a covered benefit under Medicaid, a lot of states don't offer it in an outpatient setting. They say that they're covering it by under what they call a global, I'm getting really policy and wonky for you, but there's a global no, no, it's payment and that covers you. Uh, it's a payment for prenatal care through the postpartum care visit, including the delivery. And a lot of hospitals have lactation consultants on staff. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we covered it. We we provided them with the option to see a lactation consultant after they had their baby. And that's great. But if you've had a baby, you know your milk doesn't even come in until you get home. And then that's like, there aren't three sets of hands trying to help you latch. And that's also part of our value proposition as a telehealth company. And we know that you're going to be sitting there with no pants on, holding the baby and like a phone in one hand. And so everything has to be really accessible and we need to be able to meet parents where they're at. I mean, other barriers to entry, I think as much variety as there as there is in the States, um, focused on Medicaid at least, there's as much variety among payers about how they cover the benefit and if they cover the benefit. So that's challenging. Um, and depending who you talk to at a health plan, they may not understand the value of it. I spoke with somebody who is very high up in a health plan the other day, and they, they, they said, I, I'm struggling to find the value in this. And I mean, it's a mandated benefit. And there's wow. ample research to show that breastfed babies are, are healthier, have fewer ear infections, less stomach issues, that, you know, it reduces the risk for, for moms. But sometimes, honestly, talking to men they, and non-clinicians, they might struggle with why this is an important service to provide with, to their members. Yeah, so, there's that. Quite a few layers of challenges, let alone from the technical. But it sounds like a big one is the either not acknowledging it or being like, oh, we, we gave her 20 minutes to talk to a lactation specialist mm-hmm. that one time. We're good now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even though you need to do this for the next two years and life is changing. <laughs> and, and You're fine. Good right? luck. 20 minutes. <laughs> Probably asking a lot. <laughs> and, and it surprises me too, because it's like it's feeding babies, which is should should be enough of a value prop is just like right. you know we you just created this child would like to be able to feed them properly <laughs> well <laughs> and we haven't another. even talked about the formula crisis i mean oh, we yeah. are in a really scary time where parents can't get food for their babies and so we're yeah. talking to a lot of parents who are calling us saying like oh crap i thought i was gonna you know be able to rely on formula if i needed to or combo feed or yeah. whatever and now what what do I do? Help. So yes, you would think that there would be some urgency out there. And and for some payers, there is. But the reality is that like large organizations kind of don't move as quickly as they want to. And there's a lot of layers to, to getting that operational. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder if your argument that it's like, well, legally you're supposed to cover this is it's actually more impactful than think of the babies and <laughs> and the people that need to feed them. <laughs> sad, sad that that's what we've come to, but it it is true. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I, I've I've had so much fun chatting. Um, are there any last thoughts that you want to leave anyone else that's uh, in the health and wellness marketing fields? Any good lessons you've learned or um, something they should keep in mind? Yeah, I think it's just super important to to listen to your consumers, or patients in this case, and center that message on them because they're the ones ultimately that are the purchasers of your service. And so we could do the best job ever marketing to providers and to payers, but we really need to establish that trust with parents. And so... I think it's really important that you continue to listen to them and iterate upon the messaging and don't be afraid to try things out. We do a lot of experimentation and we learn from it and make it better. So I think that's been a really, it's been a great approach that served us well and there's still more improvement to go, but that's to be expected if we, we're never going to get to the end. We're always going to keep working on this. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's my. I think that's my favorite part of marketing is the experimentation. As I love that you just kind of keep trying. There's always a way to get better. There's always something to learn. Exactly. It never gets boring. Well, perfect. Exactly. Um, and then last question for our audience is where can they learn more about Simply Fed? Yeah, we have a website. It's www.simplyfed.com. It's S-I-M-P-L-I-F-E-D. And there's all sorts of information there. So visit us. We'd love to hear from everybody. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, once again, this has been Andrea Borcia with Marketing Mondays, a podcast on the Outcomes Rocket Network. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks again for listening to Marketing Mondays. If you have any marketing questions at all, feel free to reach out to me directly at diacreative.com. That's D-I-A creative.com. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.